Jones. He doesn't make it. Wide right. Wow. The two most dreaded words in Buffalo. Surface again. Field in the middle. Intercepted. It's Derek Barnes. It's off to San Francisco for the Lions. Mixed Picks Sports Show. Welcome to the Mixed Picks Sports Show. It's Wednesday, January 24th of 2024. Let's say hi to Steve Mickelson from MixPicks.com. Two Ks in Mix. Two Ks in Picks. MixPicks.com. How you doing, Steve? I'm doing wonderful. Here's what we got in the over the next hour. Uh, we'll get to the uh, the drama that is uh, the Dallas Cowboys, which is getting more and more personal and icky and and, and childish. Uh, we, uh, Steve and I, nailed the Baseball Hall of Fame voting yesterday, so we're going to do what all sports fans do. Look at next year. Uh, but we're going to begin uh, with this email because you can always write us rad at radradio.com. You can call us 888-989-9811. Rodney wrote in and teed up the obvious uh, opening segment. Love, love, love the show, he says, and the format. Two questions. I'm going to save the second question for later because it takes us in a whole other direction. Thoughts on the Bucks firing their coach and hiring Doc Rivers. Now, this email came in uh, earlier this morning before we knew what the end of the story was, although we all knew where it was heading. There's a lot to unpack here. So bear with me while I make sure everybody's up to speed, and then we'll go back and go through the various elements of it. Adrian Griffin, the Milwaukee Bucks uh, head coach, had a 30-13 and record. That's the second best in the Eastern Conference. He was only 43 games into his head coaching career, largely because the organization uh, – I'm sorry, he was only 43 games into his head coaching career, and they fired him. And, and I, in fact, I was in a meeting yesterday about an hour after we did this show, and uh, I had a moment just to glance at my cell phone but not open any text, and all I saw was a, was a text from Steve that just said, wow, in all caps. But I couldn't open it and see what he was alluding to. He sent the article, and I'm like, oh, my God. What happened in the sports world? And the minute I opened it, I was like, I was, I was, I was in, I was in wow mode. And then right away, the story started to trickle, kind of answering the question Steve and I always ask. Well, do you have a better replacement? Do you have a better idea? Uh, he was only 43 games into his head coaching career, but the Bucks believed they could find an upgrade. They had dropped from fourth to 22nd in the defensive efficiency from a season ago and then all the rumors started that yes they were reaching out to doc rivers and engaging him in conversations about the franchise's head coaching job and the 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 story this morning was that they're, they're yep they're talking they're talking well then about an hour ago doc rivers has reached an agreement in principle to become the next head coach uh, of the milwaukee bucks the uh, the two sides negotiated all night and into this morning got an agreement on the deal we don't have the details of it of course, Doc has history in the Milwaukee area. He went to Marquette. He was an All-American guard there in the early 80s. 16 straight winning seasons since winning the NBA title with the Boston Celtics in 2008. Not so great in the postseason. <sighs> so, Steve, first of all, at the time, I mean, just in the immediate, I was, I was like, how do you fire the guy with the, with the second best record in, in the conference? And he's only 43 games in. Okay, yeah, the defense has, has, has gone down. And then I started to go to the, well, you know, the NBA is that one league where star players can get coaches fired. You know, something going on behind the scenes that we didn't know. And then the minute, the minute I heard the Doc Rivers thing, I went, well, I mean, I, I, you know, that, that's the whole, like I said, that's the whole who are you going to get that's better sort of thing. And I know Doc Rivers is widely respected and such. So I, what do you make of this whole – are you still in wow mode or are you in like, oh, okay, makes sense? No, there's a lot of questions that I come up with, you know, one being – this was a first-time head coach. Well, you have a team that's in win-now mode. Your expectations are an NBA title. Why are you hiring a new coach to take an experienced team and hope you can advance them, you know, and win the NBA finals? 
So in retrospect, looking back at it, and my understanding is Giannis had a lot to do with them hiring him as the head coach. But now I'm also hearing that he and the players had a big part of him being <laughs> fired. The the part that, and I don't know if this is true, but I'm hearing rumblings that Doc Rivers was advising Griffin as the head coach on what to do, which means the Bucks knew they had somebody better. Why didn't the Bucks just go hire Doc Rivers at the time? You have an experienced head coach who's won a title, the players respect. It just makes me shake my head and wonder why they went the direction they did last off season in bringing a new head coach and how much undermining did Doc Rivers do? And maybe he viewed it as, look, this is my last shot at winning a, you know, an NBA title in the league. This is a really good team. And I'm speculating here, but as an advisor to the team and the coach, and then, He's fired. You're brought in. I don't know. Uh, you know that's interesting. And this is this is the fun part, right? We get to make up stories and conspiracy theories because we'll probably never really know uh, the the story. And, and my mind right away goes to, well, did did ownership think we've got a talented enough team that we can win with Griffin, and he's a lot cheaper, and they can pay Doc Rivers to advise? Which I, was he a, was he a paid member of uh, of the staff advising Griffin? I would believe he's gonna be. I would be advising for free. I mean, it, it's gonna be a lot cheaper though than hiring him as as coach. I mean, again, I'm making stuff up here too. And then they they got into the season, and and Doc Rivers was like, "Man, exactly what you said. I I I should be coaching this team." And he starts planting seeds, and maybe he makes it clear to to Giannis and others that you know I I could be I, I could be the coach. I don't have to just be here advising because it is it's a very very strange situation because we're not getting uh, we're not getting the big reason other than doc rivers is available we're not getting the big reason why griffin had to go the the drop in defensive efficiency is the only thing that gets cited and that's not enough at this stage of the season to to fire a coach but that's not the coach's i I mean yes it is part of the coach's responsibility but the coach has to deal with the roster that they have they traded away Drew Holiday, who was a really good defending guard, in order right. to get Damian Lillard, who they knew wasn't very good defensively. So when the GM makes this trade, we all knew at the time, look, this is really going to help the Bucks offensively. It's going to give them someone who can shoot from outside. It's going to allow teams to, you know, that are going to have to come out to guard him, opens things up in the middle for Giannis, which Giannis – is a great, great player, one of the top players in the NBA. So they knew going in, this was an offensive move and trade, not a defensive move. I think it's kind of weak that they're trying to pin this on the defense when that's the roster they have, that's the decision the team chose, more offense, less defense, and then blaming defense. Yeah, and that and that even furthers the idea of what's what is what is really going on, and and because it's like they it's like they they hired a PR team. Find a reason that we can put out there that would make sense, a basketball reason, and this was the best they could come up with, and it's weak sauce, as you said. So it go we go we all go back to what the real thing is, and I I'm I'm wondering if you've already nailed it. The real thing is they knew they could get Doc Rivers, and they were just like, look, we can't pass up on Doc Rivers, and 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 they can't just say that. Out loud. And the and the thing is too, Steve. I I I would expect 
I could be wrong on this. My instincts are this story goes away almost immediately because the sports media, the fans, and everybody, they go, well, I mean, they got Doc Rivers. Who cares how or why it, why it happened? And, and so let's go to that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You had something. No, no, no. I, I was going to say I, I agree with you there. I, I think – and I give them credit if this is what it is, that they thought they had a coach that could take the team to the next level. But due to his inexperience as they were watching the season play out, they realized – he did not have the players' respect, and he was never going to take them deep into the playoffs, and they're in a win-now mode. So they may have just realized, look, we made a mistake. You look at the 49ers, we made a mistake with Trey Lance. They traded him away. Look, we got away with it. We got Brock Purdy. And if that's the case, just come out and say it. Look, we made a mistake here. We thought he'd be ready. We realized we needed an experienced head coach here in order to lead this team. Doc Rivers was available. We put him in that spot. So no doubt Doc Rivers is, all things being equal and upgrade, he certainly has the respect of the players. But there is this monkey on his back over the postseason. He has 10 Game 7 losses in his career. He has a run that includes five straight of those. He has also lost nine straight games with a chance to reach the conference Final. So if 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 they could have just gotten into the playoffs, which they were going to obviously with Griffin, then what you would think they would want would be a postseason specialist. Griffin was untested, and now it all comes down to. I mean, you, I don't think we can argue Doc Rivers is a great regular season coach, and he's an upgrade. Is is this is this a ultimately Steve stepping back? Is this a great move for the Bucks? If he can advance them into the finals and and find a way to win, that As really said, is it, that's right? The he, monkey on his back. He has to do he, that, he, right? I, I mean, how many up three one series has he blown? You know, three two series. This is the knock on Doc Rivers: is you're a really good coach, but he's also had a lot of talent. I mean, whether he was there or not, I believe these teams all advance into the playoffs. So really, you're judging his coaching ability based on what he does in the playoffs and that track record is not the greatest he has the respect of the players he is a good coach i believe he's going to emphasize defense more than griffin did with this team but doc rivers has something to prove as well uh we're going to stay in the nba real quick the, the portland trailblazers are filing a protest with the nba to challenge the results of uh the 111 109 loss to the oklahoma city thunder last night the blazers are contending that coach chauncey billups uh, with a 109-108 lead, was clearly calling a timeout on the sideline before a referee whistled a double dribble with 15.1 seconds left in the fourth quarter. In response, Billups got mad uh, because it was like, hey, you're not letting me call my timeout. And he was assessed two technicals, uh, including a second after marching onto the floor to argue. And then he was ejected in the, in the final seconds of the game. Uh, Billups said afterwards, quote, we've got timeouts. Referees usually are prepared for that. You know, that instance, that situation, I'm at half court trying to call a timeout. It's very frustrating. Uh, according to a pool report interview, crew chief Bill Kennedy said that Billups was not granted the timeout because the referee was focused on the play in front of him, making it, quote, difficult for him to hear and see Billups' request. I mean, you know, in the end, Portland, you know, they're, they're 12 and 31 uh, with the loss. Not like they affected their playoff run. But, they, you know, we, we're doing a lot of this in the NFL and in the NBA. The, 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 here we go again with the officiating. That that seems like a kind of lame response by Bill Kennedy. Oh, well, you know, the ref's focused on something else. And this is I, – I did not have the pleasure of being able to see it. You're late in the game. You have timeouts. As a referee, I believe you have to expect this. 
is going to happen. I think you need to be sensitive to that fact. You know, we've seen things that they're prepared, they're ready, even though they may not call it quite fast enough, they still grant them the timeout. I understand Chauncey Billups' frustration. On the other hand, though, if the referee's missing what's going on in front of him as far as the play, because he's focused on, well, is Billups going to call a timeout? I think Billups needs to take a little bit more responsibility to ensure that the ref knows he's calling the timeout. Again, I can't say if he was yelling, screaming, or what exactly he did. I was watching the Clipper-Laker game, so I did not see that part. But the refs know things like this are happening as you're hitting the end of the game. And I do believe they should be prepared and ready to call it. And, and I think you give a little bit of, especially in this close game like this, a little bit of leniency to, hey, look, yeah, no, he called it. Here, the whistle might be a second or two slower, but he called it. I heard it. Let's stop it. Yeah, and these protests never go anywhere. But but speaking of the, the officiating, the, the NBA has their L2M report which uh, they describe as the league's assessment of officiated events that occurred in the last two minutes of games that were at the at or within three points during any point in the last two minutes of the fourth round. Okay, I I I I appreciate the transparency. I, I I really do. It leads though to some interesting kind of like questions for me because we now know that Monday night's Charlotte Hornets Minnesota Timberwolves game. This is the one uh, where uh, where where cats going nuts. Where Carl uh, Anthony Towns got it. He went went to a sixty-two point game, but they lost. Uh, it featured 10 incorrect calls over the last two minutes, according to the NBA. The game came down to the wire with the Hornets storming back from an 18-point deficit. And three of the incorrect calls favored Minnesota. Six favored Charlotte, who ultimately won, including a missed shooting foul that would have given Carl Anthony Towns a chance to give the Timberwolves a, read, a lead with less than five seconds left. Again, I appreciate the transparency. I'm not sure what anyone is supposed to do with it other than uh, Minnesota fans are just going to be infuriated. You're talking 10 missed calls in the last two minutes. Awful. First couple of things that come to mind is, okay, that's the last two minutes. How many missed calls in the first 46 minutes of this game that we're not talking about? And that's like, it's 120 seconds, 10 that means you are botching a call almost every single everything going on in the game because there's times nobody's making contact, nobody's doing anything, shots not going up, a guy's just dribbling the ball or passing it. Ten missed. I love the transparency, but that to me is saying the referees were awful in this game. And the fact the NBA only looks at the last two minutes, you know, when you, when you do the math like you did, you start to wonder, oh, I guess this is why they don't look at the rest of the game. And, and one of the thoughts I have when you break it down like that is all of the rest of us in normal land, if that's how we performed at our jobs, we're fired. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and I don't know, is there any, I, I don't know this, I didn't have time to research. Are there any repercussions from these reports? I'm not aware of any, you know, they don't come out and say anything. And, you know, I go to major league baseball with Angel Hernandez, who's been oh. an awful umpire for years and years and years. We keep talking about him. He still has his job. As you said, if we made 10 mistakes in 20 minutes on the job, if you roll it out for, you know, trying to put it two minutes to 20 minutes in my, in my job, that, are costly to the company I work for, 
I would like to believe I'm going to get fired. And, you know, they get their tenure, whatever it's called, and we see this. But if you're releasing it for transparency but not following up with anything, what's the point? Since you mentioned baseball, perfect segue. Uh, yesterday we broke down uh, the uh, nominees for the Baseball Hall of Fame, and, and ultimately the, the list we came up with was not based on what we believed should happen or who we wanted to get in, but who would get in, uh, like usual uh, on this show. Steve and I agreed. And sure enough, Adrian Beltre, Joe Maurer, and Todd Helton are officially Major League Baseball Hall of Famers. And all credit to Steve, uh, as predicted, he said, what about Billy Wagner? He's not going to make it. He's gonna... And he was so close, uh, 73.8. Percent. So they're in the ones that 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 and, and that, that Wagner's the closest that didn't get in. Uh, Gary Sheffield, he's done. He's had his 10 years, 63 and a half percent. Andrew Jones got 62 percent. Carlos Beltran, 57 uh, percent. So Wagner uh, pending the other the new faces, Steve he, Wagner's right there. He's knocking on the door. Uh, he, he's got to be a favorite to get in next year. I, I would hope so. I, I he would have gotten my vote. You know, we discussed who he believed we're in versus who we think should have been in. I would have put Wagner in. He was a dominating closer for, you know, pretty much his entire career. Um, you know, there's Chase Utley sitting out there. I'm not ready to put him in yet. I have not looked at next year's class to fully see <laughs> who are the new players on the list. But uh, Billy Wagner, I was hoping he'd get in. But you know, I, I feel for him five votes short. Well, my, my instincts kicked in this morning. So the very first thing I did was uh, search for the uh, 2025 uh, ballot uh, for uh, the, the, the Hall of Fame. And the big names, the big names, we'll start at the top. Ichiro, 10-time All-Star, 2001 MVP, led the league in hits seven times, won two batting titles, uh, just over 3,000 hits stateside. You had in the 1,200 in Japan, hit 311 in his major league career, uh, over 500 stolen bases. Seems like a natural first-time Hall of Famer to me. Oh, I, I think he should make it in. And, and I'm not saying the unanimous because that just doesn't really happen. Uh, but for me, that's a no-brainer. He, he, he got 3,000 hits in the major leagues here after starting his career playing over in Japan. We don't get players <laughs> get 3,000 hits here who come up early in their career and play their whole entire career here. What Ichiro did was amazing. Um and he absolutely deserves first-time ballot. And if he doesn't get, like, 90%, again, I would be looking at Ryder saying, well, hold yeah. it. What's going on here? Do you deserve the right to vote? Yeah, you, and you mentioned the unanimous thing. I just wanted to go back real quick because a lot of people – nobody said that uh, that uh, Adrian Beltre was going to be unanimous, but it was a question of how close. He got in at 95.1%. And, oh, come on, Ichiro's got to go over 90 I mean, he's got to be in that 95-plus level. Easily. He, he needs to be in that 95 to yeah. 98. There's always those hardliners. Well, Babe Ruth, Ty Cobb, none of these guys were unanimous. Well, those writers were wrong because they <laughs> should have been unanimous. Um, but Ichiro, anyone who has an argument on why he should not, should not even have the right to vote. Uh, eligible for the first time uh, next year for the Baseball Hall of Fame, C.C. Sabathia, won a Cy Young, finished his career 251 wins, 161 losses, 3.74 career R uh, ERA, won the 2009 ALCS MVP. I lean towards yes, but I haven't given it a lot of thought. I, I lean towards no. Okay. I I'm. He was a good pitcher you know, with Cleveland, with the Yankees. But to me, he was never that dominant pitcher. When And again, I fall back to the, you need to be one of the best at your position for 
you know, several years, not just a couple, but several years. When I talk about the great pitchers, you know, during that time, you get into the Pedro Martinez's. I'm just, you know, CC Sabathia to me was never a top two or three pitcher or even a top five pitcher in the league. So I'm going to know. I mean, I wouldn't protest if he did get in. I just, I, I, there's a couple other people. Kurt Schilling to me deserves to be in, um, even though the voters don't care for him. Kurt Schilling to me deserves to be in over ACC Sabathia. Now, do you do it based on uh, like full history or do you do it within the time that they played? Like like how, how dominant CC was or Schilling was when they were playing? Or do you say, no, we got to step back and see how this stacks up historically? I think you need to look at the time that they played. You know, I don't really look at historically and where it's at, but, you know, when you look at Kurt Schilling, Kurt Schilling was one of the top three pitchers in the game during his time. He was unbelievable in postseason. I mean, this guy was money in the postseason. I think you have to put that into it too. The, the part that disappoints me with the Hall of Fame voting is we should never be taking into consideration the person as a whole. I, I just, you got to look at their career and what they did on the field, not what they did off the field. And because he didn't do interviews or you don't like his views on life, I don't think you should hold that against the player because it's what they did on the field that matters. And I just don't think CC Sabathia was dominant enough. Um, I don't think he, you know, what he won one Cy Young award during his time. Yes. He wasn't, you know, you look at his career ERA and it's three, three, seven, five, four. three, six, three, seven. Yep. So, you know, and, and I know you could say, Hey, look, he played in more an offensive part with smaller ballparks, more home runs. But to, to me, He's a slight out for me. Uh, one other uh, name that, that that stuck out, although he he's a no for me, uh, but a lot of people, you know, everybody printed the list and they said, well, here's the standout standout names: uh, Dustin Pedroia, four-time All-Star, three World Series rings, uh, Rookie of the Year, and uh, MVP in his career. Uh, 14 seasons with the Red Sox, hit 299. I mean, good season. Um, I, I just I just don't know that he stacks up to Hall of Fame level. I mean, you, you start comparing him to other Hall of Fame second basemen. Does Pedroia make it? Not for me. His career wasn't long enough. Um, you know, he got hurt there, slide by Machado at second base, pretty much ended his career. Uh, but for me, he had, you know, good years. He had some couple of great years, rookie of the year, MVP, you know, helped the Red Sox win in some World Series. Uh, but it was not a Hall of Fame type career. It was too short, and he wasn't productive and one of the best in the game for a long enough period for me. We'll get to a part two of uh, Rodney's email. He started off the show. He's got a second question, but it's about football. Anna has a question as well, and both of them are talking about, uh, well, the the, 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 uh, the game between uh, Steve and me, uh, the uh, the Lions and the Niners, and then what happens if the, the Niners get to the Super Bowl. Dimitri's got a question about a big rumor uh, also involving NFL coaching. We'll do that for this. Knicks Picks. The Mix Pick Sports Show. Let's go! Call the Mix Pick Sports Show at 888-989-9811. You can always email us, uh, rad at radradio.com. A lot of you listen after the fact. Do it on your drive home. Do it on the podcast, the website, whatever. Fine, email us. We can always go back to topics. Uh, but we're looking forward here, thanks to Anna. She wrote in and said, uh, hey, Rob, as a fellow fan, if the 49ers make it to the Super Bowl, which Super Bowl loss would you rather 
Avenge? This is an interesting question because it's the kind of thing I never give any thought to until I get an email like yours, Anna, because that's a great point. If the Niners do beat the Lions on Sunday, the Niners will play one of the two teams they've recently lost the Super Bowl to, either the Baltimore Ravens when John Harbaugh beat Jim Harbaugh, thanks to Colin Kaepernick not being able to convert first and goal on four plays, or uh, the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, which is the more recent. I, I, look, I this this is I this is why I'm a boring sports fan sometimes because I don't necessarily like hold these grudges or or I think my answer is the Chiefs for a variety of reasons. Um, I think that, but as much as Lamar Jackson's getting all this love, uh, I it's, it to beat Patrick Mahomes is still right now kind of the holy grail in the NFL ish. Um, I, I know, I know a lot of you don't want to see the Chiefs in the Super Bowl because of the Taylor Swift effect, and that does that. I wouldn't necessarily want the Chiefs to be in the Super Bowl for that reason, but that would be another reason to beat them. Uh, not that I'm going to wish that she winds up crying like Anderson Cooper did on CNN over the Bills game. Um, I, if I have to answer, I, 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 I would, I guess I would choose the Chiefs. And plus, you're also beating. Andy Reid as opposed to John Harbaugh, and I, I don't like Andy Reid as much as I like John John Harbaugh. Uh, and, and, and Steve, I assume you don't care at all because as a Lions fan, you would be, you would just be ecstatic to get into. Do you? Okay, let me do it this way with you, Steve. If the Lions can beat the Niners uh, on on Sunday using their running game, which is how you think they would do it, do you as a Lions fan have a preference over playing the Chiefs or the Ravens for the Super Bowl championship? Not at all. Just the <laughs> thought of getting to a Super Bowl. <laughs> You know, I've I've never legitimately believed it, and this year included, that the Lions would actually truly have a chance to go to the Super Bowl, and and this is the closest it's ever been, uh, because you roll back to '91, I honestly didn't think they had any chance at winning that game. This game, I think we do have an outside chance. Not saying it's great, but I think the Lions have an outside chance because the. 49ers have shown they have some vulnerabilities which go into what the Lions can exploit. Uh, but just getting there, that that, that would be heaven. Uh, and, and, and look, if that happens, we've got two full weeks for, for, for you to, to get, first of all, to get comfortable with the fact that it's happening, you know, keep pinching yourself and all that. And then eventually we, we, could start, we, we could start talking about, okay, well, you got to beat this team and, 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 and how it's going to happen. So that actually perfectly brings us to Rodney's second question. He started us off. Uh, asking about the Doc Rivers firing, and we did that. And he uh, he has he has a legitimate question, but I kind of have a, a, a follow-up. He wants to know if what he's suggesting could happen. And then I asked, well, is that legit? I mean, is that would he want that? Would we want that? His question is, how plausible would it be if Barry Sanders? So the the first, I'm sorry, the Lions win on Sunday, and so the Lions are going to the Super Bowl. Rodney says, how plausible or neat would it be if Barry Sanders was signed back to the Lions? and suited up for just one play so he could possibly get a ring. Now, that's an interesting one. I don't know about the plausibility of it. I, I right away go into, that's a little, boy, it's the Super Bowl. That's a little campy, and he's not winning the ring. I don't know. Am I being a jerk, Steve? Uh, I, I would never, I love Barry Sanders. He, he was phenomenal. He was so much fun to watch. Um, in my mind, he was the best running back that I got to watch in my lifetime who's played. But keep in mind, he's old. He he's he doesn't, you know, I think of the commercials with Peyton Manning and Emmett Smith sitting on the couch. I don't really want to see him go out there. I'd hate to see him get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> if the Lions actually want it, I would love to see the Lions show the respect yep. 
and give Barry, thank you. Give <laughs> Calvin Johnson, thank you. You know, these players that were elite, elite, and I'm saying Hall of Fame players who helped, Lomas Brown, who helped Jeez. keep the Lions going through the years, give them a ring. I'm fine with that, but yeah. I, I really don't want to see Barry Sanders play and run any risk of injury. Yeah, no, and I mean, you nailed it. That That's the right thing to do. Teams have done that uh, over the course of the history of the NFL where you just, you and it's it's not like a, it's not a commemorative ring. It's one of the rings that the mm -hmm. team orders rings Absolutely. for these, these, these individuals that are on the list. So you can do that. And also, if, if you were going to go so far as to sign Barry Sanders for a play, or sign Barry Sanders and have him suit up, he doesn't have to go into the game if we were going to do it. And that's where it gets to be a carnival thing. You, you know, if you're if you're on the roster, you get a ring. And there's a lot of guys that never get into the game that get it. So it's it's a but I so I, and I like yours because it's more it's more honorary. It's more it's more honoring what those players did for the Lions organization. Uh, both your team and my team have to get past this weekend before we figure out whether Anna or Rodney has posed a question that's even valid. See, this is what's great about sports. You got to have these discussions before the games are played because otherwise you miss your chance. You know, it's can't like you can't take that e that take that email from Rodney and save it until Monday because then when if the Lions don't win, it's like, oh man, we missed our chance. Now we're just we're talking about something that that can't happen or or didn't happen. But the the email that grabbed my eye uh, that came in yesterday from Dimitri was uh, uh, takes us back to the. The, the, the coaching search and situation. And you, yesterday, you, you popped a few eyeballs, including mine, when you said you don't think any team should hire the greatest coach of all time, Bill Belichick. And, and I, went, I, I went, wait a minute, you, did, you just, did you just say that? And, and you, you, you just don't believe any team should hire him. I, I don't. If, if you are a owner, a general manager, I believe you got to be looking at your football operations longer term. You want success of this franchise for several years. I, I just don't see Belichick doing that. I, I don't see him sticking around more than three, four years tops. A and if you're going to go to a Falcons team or a team, you know, the Titans, it's going to take a little bit of time in order to rebuild that team and put everything in place to make it a long-term successful organization. Quick fix. Yes. Selling tickets. Yes getting publicity and the media talking and buzzing. Yes. But as an owner, as a general manager, I believe you got to look at the long-term success of the organization. And to me, that's not Bill Belichick. Now from Belichick's angle, of course, he wants to break Don Shula's all time uh, winning record. And I think even more importantly, he wants to win a Super Bowl without Tom Brady. Um, and, and so that's kind of when, like, like I've never understood the flirtation with the Atlanta Falcons or how legitimate that is. And so uh, Dimitri brought to my attention, a rumor that's out there, uh, that, and it's, and it's not, it's not, it's not like some, from some blogger or YouTuber, uh, it's from pro pro football talks, Mike Florio and pro football talk does a pretty good job. They don't, they don't get them all right, but they're pretty well connected. He reported that there is reason to believe. The Chiefs are bracing for the possibility of Andy Reid retiring. And Dimitri says, with rumors of Andy Reid retiring, do you think Belichick is holding out for the Chiefs' job? He would pretty much break the record for wins as a coach, and he has a team built to win. Reid has been an NFL head coach for 25 straight seasons. He's won the Super Bowl twice, 2019 and 2022. That's an interesting formula from both sides. If Reid were to retire... You do have a Cadillac. You've got a team that is ready to be coached all the way through the Super Bowl, and 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 hey, here's the greatest coach of all time, and and he can he can win us a few more uh, championships while we work on not letting the window close and groom 
his replacement. I, this, I started working this through in my head of, is this one of those situations where you bring in Belichick knowing he's only going to stick around like two to three years, like you said, and we're grooming the next head coach. We put in that, that contract clause or whatever, your next man up, and let Belichick get you two or three more championships. Belichick loves it. He's like, oh, man, that's a guaranteed 10 at least wins each season. I'm breaking Shula's record in 2026. I don't know the plausibility of it, but it's another really good, juicy story. And I agree and believe that that's the way it should happen. The, the problem with that scenario runs into egos and general <laughs> managers and things like that and control of the roster, control of the players. But if Belichick and, – and this is where I would have loved to have seen Belichick go to the Cowboys, but I don't think he could have fit with Jerry Jones in the end with the decisions of the team. I'd love to see him go to the Eagles. I'd love to see him go to a team that's built to win right now because I do believe he is the greatest coach we've seen in the NFL, and I would love to see what he could do. I just don't know if it fits with the GMs of the teams, the president of football operations of the teams who you know they have to have egos too. Are they able to put that aside, or is Belichick able to put that aside? And to me, that's the conflict. I think his best case scenario is go to a team that's built to win right now. I'm just not sure the people in charge or he will be able to put those egos aside to make it work. And Belichick is the one that would have to blink on that. He's the one with the short runway. He's the one that have to go, look, if I really do want to win, break the record. All right. All right. You, you get to, and, and, the Eagles, they did reaffirm. The Eagles, very interesting move. Sirianni stays as head coach. Everyone else is fired. That that was a wacky one. Um, so that one's there's no reason to believe that's going to happen. Uh, and we don't know if the Chargers or the uh, the Chargers look like they're out for for uh, for Belichick, which we'll get to that rumor as well. So I mean, this Chiefs rumor is fun. I mean, and I think if the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, it has a lot of possible credibility at that point. I mean, Andy Reid, like I said, 25 straight years. Um, and I, I don't know that he's ready to, to wrap it up, but if he's had, had any, any inkling to, that, that's the time to go, and then we could have this juicy Belichick uh, conversation. Which would be wonderful. Um, I love the, the players, the coaches that go out on top. Look, I just won a Super Bowl. John Elway went back-to-back yeah. Super Bowls, walked away. What a wonderful way to walk away. If the Chiefs win it, Andy Reid walking away, I get it. I would love to see the Belichick then because look at the pressure that would be on Belichick. <laughs> yep. You're taking over the defending champions. Talk about pressure. And I know he's had a lot of pressure throughout his career. I mean, he's won how many Super Bowls, et cetera. But boy, that would put him on a spot right then and there. Look, you got to win. You have a championship roster. You better win again. It reminds me of the, of the George Seifert in thing with the San Francisco 49ers when he replaced Bill Walsh. It was like, dude, team's built to win. And then, of course, it was totally unfair. He did win, and everybody said, oh, yeah, but you won with Bill Walsh's team. So then he had to win in 94 with his own team to finally get the credit that, that he deserved. But you're right. That was my other thing was does, – does, and I, you talk about egos. I don't think Belichick considers it. But if Belichick walks into Kansas City – again, this is all made up, kids. We don't have anything to, to report yet. And – has a team that's won, let's do that scenario, three Super Bowls in the previous, what, five years with a different head coach, and he doesn't win a Super Bowl, doesn't even maybe get them to the Super Bowl, his reputation is tarnished. He's still he's still great, but that's a bad way to go out. Yes, because that backs up the Tom Brady is what made him such a great coach and not necessarily Belichick being the great coach. So that's something else if you're Belichick. you got to sit and look at is – 
you know, he, he's a huge historian of the NFL. Well, where does his legacy goes if he then takes a team that won the Super Bowl or and won three in the last five, six years, and he's not even able to return them to the Super Bowl? That that hit takes a hit on his legacy. I, I mentioned the Chargers real briefly. We uh, briefly we have an update on where they're at with their head coaching search and where Jim Harbaugh fits in. There's another retirement uh, rumor that's out there that I actually think has a lot of credibility. And there's a very childish issue. I know this is shocking with the Dallas Cowboys, which we'll talk about next. Mix picks the mix pick sports show. The Mix Pick Sports Show. Got a hot take? Email us at rad at radradio.com. Two main things this time of year. There's uh, the lead up to the uh, AFC-NFC championship games and who's going to get to the Super Bowl. And then there's the the uh, uh, off-the-field puzzle pieces of which coaches are going to land where. And it's been more juicy this year than most with Belichick out there, Harbaugh out there still. Uh, A couple of uh, updates. Mike Garofalo of NFL Media reports that the Chargers and coach Jim Harbaugh are in striking distance of getting a deal done. We already knew that somewhere around now he would be doing his uh, his second interview. Uh, and, and, and it's also uh, re- reported that Harbaugh wanted the job last year, but it wasn't open. And uh, he is interviewing for a second time, or he already did, or he just did. But the source, you can't always know what these sources know, uh, say that Harbaugh, quote, wants it. And uh, others are saying that there's starting to be pressure placed on uh, Jim Harbaugh to make a decision because there's the other big-name coaches that are connected to the job. Uh, former Titans coach Mike Vrabel has interviewed for the job. And earlier yesterday, the rumor started circulating, and I had asked this question, Steve, uh, towards the end of yesterday's show, uh, that former Seahawks coach Pete Carroll is making a behind-the-scenes push for consideration, which yesterday we were wondering about, is, is Carroll even in the mix or anything? So that's an interesting twist to throw in there as well. I, I love to hear that Pete Carroll is actually uh... – you know, trying to throw his name into the hat. I, I think he's done a wonderful job coaching in the NFL, and uh, I'd like to see him continue his career. Harbaugh, I hear also, is it looks like there's the possibility the NCAA is going to hit him with a uh, fraction one, which is the harsh of the penalties hitting Michigan if it ends up happening. And this gets into that clause in Harbaugh's contract that he doesn't want the athletic director to have the right to terminate his contract due to cause he wants it to go to a three-member arbitration-type hearing and the three-member board decides that. I I think that's going to be a big hang-up with him going back to Michigan. I'd love to see him go to the Chargers. I'm disappointed that I haven't heard anything with the Bills because I was really a <laughs> fan of him going to the Bills and, and watching him turn that team around as well and take him to that next level. But uh, I, I hope he ends up taking the Chargers job. And, 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 you know, the rumor mill seems to be churning towards that. You know, this is day three in a row of, oh, we've got a number. Yesterday it was like $18 million a year for five years. Now today they're doubling down on their getting close. And it, is, it does seem like the best landing spot for for Harbaugh with Justin Herbert already there, uh, it it does seem like like the like the and I mean yes I'm with you I'd love to see Pete Carroll back in 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 the game Th- those names though if Rabel Carroll Harbaugh Harbaugh's the Harbaugh's the diamond in that rough right there absolutely I think Vrabel um, is getting some consideration up in Seattle and I'd love to see him go coach good. I thought he was a really good coach with Tennessee. 
you know, he had a running game, not a whole lot of other talent, really hasn't had a quarterback. And he was still able to, until the wheels came off, you know, the last year two or two, um, able to get the job done there with not the most talent. So I'd love to see him go to the Seahawks because I think the Seahawks has some really good young talent. I just don't think they have the quarterback that's going to take them deep into the playoffs. Yeah, as a Niner fan, I don't need the Seahawks to find a great coach, but I understand where you're coming from. Um, so we talked about this rumor, would, would Andy Reid uh, retire? It, it, it's out there. Uh, and, and there's another one, again, and that was from uh, Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk, former NBC Sunday Night Football sideline reporter Michelle Tafoya. Uh, who, of course, can't reveal her sources. She dropped one earlier this week, and I immediately said, uh, okay, th this is not as ridiculous as people want it to be, and it's not about what people want it to be. She said that she believes Travis Kelsey will follow his older brother Jason into retirement this offseason um, because he's looking at, at making future plans and stuff. And, of course, everybody immediately goes to the Taylor Swift thing. But I was talking to a friend about this yesterday, and, and he right away said, yeah, well, I don't know, maybe she's in his ear. I hadn't said anything. I just said, hey, did you hear the rumor that, that Travis might retire? Well, you know, maybe she's in his ear. You know, he's got to stop getting hurt, and he doesn't need the money, and they want to have babies and stuff. I'm like, no, that it doesn't have to be about that. You know, sometimes we're the ones making this about Taylor Swift. The, the reason I, I can give this some credibility is a few things. One, uh, he's won. He's a winner. He's won. He's a Hall of Famer, Travis is. Two, he's made it very clear that he wants to segue into becoming like the next version of Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, the the, the former professional athlete who gets into uh, acting maybe or performing. He and his brother have this podcast. They're more popular than they're ever going to be. Right now, the Kelsey brothers, this is it. This is the height of their and, and the height of their popular popularity and, and, and or positive popularity. And Travis is pushing that with this Taylor thing because people are going to start holding him to account. And I think the big thing, the big thing that grabs me is if he does retire, he and Jason go into the Hall of Fame together. And I think when you put all of that together, I'm not saying he's gonna, but I, I especially again if the Chiefs win, either way, I think there's some credibility to this one. I had not heard this before. Um, I, I do. I, I It'd be a really good story. They've been a good story. I, I think there could be something to that. The, the part that I look at that everybody tends to leave out is if you are a professional football player, you really have to look at quality of life after you leave the game. Yep. You see so many players. I had the pleasure of meeting Earl Campbell years and years and years ago. Earl Campbell can barely walk. I, I, I mean, he can't do anything. And he was an unbelievable running back, but he took the punishment. And this is where I don't knock Barry Sanders from walking away from the game because look, after 10 years, I had my success, but I'm still healthy and I want to be able to enjoy the rest of my life. And if I'm a Kelsey, look, I'm going to the Hall of Fame. I'm in the argument for one of the greatest tight ends to ever play the game. And we know he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. His brother's going to be in the Hall of Fame. You have to look at life past football. I like the thought that if that's true, that that's what he's doing. But you have to look at quality of life. Do you really want to be 45, 50 years old? You can barely move, barely walk. You want to be able to enjoy the riches that you've earned through your career and enjoy that the rest of your life with family, friends, and just everything, you, you don't want to be handicapped. And 
you know, restricted because you played a little too long. And you're not exaggerating either about about the effects and and how early it sets in. I've I've been fortunate enough to be at uh, the the uh, the the uh, celebrity golf tournament at Edgewood in uh, South Lake Tahoe more than once. And uh, I mean, John Elway stands out. And this was this was years ago, uh, and he he was not close to fifty at the time. And John Elway, he was a quarterback, and he he. He looked in pain walking. And then you start looking at all of the and, – and they've got baseball players there, right? And the baseball players, they're fine. They walk fine. Man, you look at every football player, and they're, they're limping around, and they're in pain. I, I, again, I, I, I am not saying it will happen, but, boy, it, it, has, some, it has a lot of credibility uh, to me. Since I've teased it, I've got I've to just really quickly mention that the Dallas Cowboys. I just wonder institutionally what, what, what is going on with them. Uh, just a week – after the Cowboys were uh, ushered out of the uh, the possibility of playing uh, in, in in the playoffs, comments started to hit social media from other Cowboy family members, like uh, receiver C. D. Lamb's uh, Facebook page said that Dak Prescott needs to go. Uh, she so here you know here you are you're, you're the mother of C. D. Lamb, and she posts for the whole world to see they need to get rid of his ass. It's guys on that team that want a ring. Dak doesn't want a ring, and that was just the beginning. Micah Parsons' brother got in on the act as well. Terrence Parsons Jr. criticized defensive coordinator Dan Quinn and also said that uh, Prescott needs to pack his bags. And then Dak Prescott's brother chimed in saying he wants the Cowboys quarterback out of Dallas. Dak's brother says, I want my bro- I want Dak out of Dallas. Steve, this, this does not happen in well-run organizations. I realize it's family members. But a head coach, a general manager steps in, and and I forget who it was—a former player I saw on ESPN yesterday who said, "You, we are understating the effect of this. You cannot, you cannot overstate how toxic this is for the team environment." And and he was apoplectic that it was even going on and that it hadn't been stopped. And to me, it does speak to something going on in this organization. Without a doubt, and you have to believe that the family members—they're the ones who are hearing your you know, your true feelings and the true things that are going on in that locker room that the press and others are are not, you know, able to see and to hear and to witness. Um, when you start hearing family members going after Dak Prescott, you got to really wonder how much truth is really behind that. And you got to give it a little bit of credibility. Yes, there might be some bitterness. C.D. Lamb's mom felt that C.D. Lamb should have gotten more targets and he wasn't getting enough. I get that. But, you, you know, when you see multiple players, family members going after Dak and the toxic, you know, atmosphere in that Cowboys locker room, you really got to start wondering, you know, how much truth is really there. That's interesting. I had not thought of that angle. Because you're right. It, it could be. See, I kind of stopped at the initial one. Oh, well, you know, that's just a protective mama bear from C.D. Lamb. But you've got C.D. Lamb, and then you've got Terrence Parsons Jr. himself, who's who's saying that Dak needs to pack his bags, uh, while also criticizing uh, uh, Dan Quinn. And you wonder, yeah, are, is, this the, is this the riff? Is this the talk? Like C.D. Lamb is saying when his mom says, why aren't you getting the ball more? He says, because that idiot Dak Prescott won't throw me the ball more. And it becomes... This becomes a real problem when they get back into that locker room this summer, and especially that it's been going on for a week. Neither Prescott nor Lamb have responded in any way uh, on social media. I don't know how accessible they are to the media. So it's just it's going. It, I haven't heard if there's anything new, but it's just sitting there. And I don't believe that, that, that there's, there's going to be short memories in that locker room if it doesn't get addressed. There's no chance there's short memories in that locker room. They, it has to get addressed if they want to – be able to play it and you know have that 
teammates, you know, working relationship. We all talk about chemistry on teams. And if you have star players who aren't even talking to each other, and, you know, it's not like Dak can go after it. You know, your mom's crazy, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, she is. It's your mom. I, I mean, if you're not going to stand up for your mom or your wife, you know, who in this world are you really going to stand up for? And so I think it has to get addressed. I just, I find it interesting that you're hearing it from multiple players, not just one. Yeah, and it's and it's not sources. I mean, it's out there for the world to see, right, on social media. All right, now, when we do the show tomorrow, we'll be right in that 75-hour window until the uh, championship games. We'll be back uh, tomorrow at 10. Mix. Oh, yeah.